Join us this Saturday for an all-new episode of The Athletic NBA Show. Saturday Slam and Jam, hosted by me, Andrew Schlecht. I'll be joined by my co-hosts Alex Spears and many of the athletic beat writers that you know and love. We will recap the week of the NBA, play some NBA trivia, and just overall talk about the league that we love most. So while you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee on Saturday morning, listen to Saturday Slam and Jam on the Athletic NBA Show. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show, Monday through Friday, on the Athletic Podcast Network. Coming up on today's show, we break down the P.J. Tucker trade and what it means for the Bucks. We also take a deep dive into the Phoenix Suns. This is Nerdish You Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo Dekeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's Friday. I'm Dave DeFore, and that means it's Nerder She Wrote. Joined as I am every week by Seth and Mo. What's up, fellas? How you guys feeling? Chilling, man. Chill. I've missed Seth. I, I mean, he, Seth wasn't around last week. I, 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 it's weird. It's weird. It's not so much I've missed him as much as I maybe missed yelling at him, but there, there's some sort of love there. It's fair. Fair. I'll take that. <laughs> missed you too, Yeah. Mo. Well, uh, joining the show, long overdue guest. Nikias Duncan from the Dunker Spot podcast. Now, did you think about doing that, the Dunker, but with a C? Or do you feel like that's a little copyright infringement on, on Nate Duncan? I very briefly thought about it, yes, and then quickly realized that that's just not going to work. Um, so, yeah, I just, just went with Also, the that looks like the Dunster Spot. Where do you put your that, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, maybe yeah, a whole I different uh, podcast. <laughs> be hard to bring so, some viewers that way. Well, you got to add that apostrophe. Like Nate's really smart to have added that because, you know, Dunstan wouldn't be very good. Now, where do you put yourself in the Duncan power rankings? Because I know that you keep track of this stuff. Oh, man. I. You're like five? Like five or six, somewhere in that range. And I'm trying to work my way up. That's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad. Uh, So speaking of working their way up, the Bucks made another move. They had look. We we've made fun of them for years for being a little bit gun shy, and and we keep bringing up the Malcolm Brogdon deal, letting him walk, and how it was a bad move. And you know, wow, I can't believe they're not taking swings when you've got Giannis in his prime. Well, we can't say that. the The holiday deal. I mean, they they really pushed a lot of chips into the table for that one. They almost had the Bogdanovich deal, which again pushing more chips into the table. Well, they pushed a bunch into the table. They got PJ Tucker. And, and honestly, they really didn't give up that much, which is one of the best parts of this for them. Uh, Nikias, I'm going to start with you. P.J. Tucker, is he washed? Because when you watch what he's been doing in Houston, it's not been great. And he is about to turn 36 years old. And as a guy who's a little bit north of that, I can tell you it's not the same as it was, you know, when I was like 33. So is he washed? I would say he's washed adjacent, not all the way washed. Uh, the lateral quickness has definitely declined over the past couple of seasons. I mean, he, again, he's getting up there in the age, but I don't think that should be a massive concern for Milwaukee. Um, he won't be tasked with switching as much or basically having to be the main piece of a defense like he was in Houston when they went full small ball. So I don't think there will be as much pressure on him. And for Milwaukee, you 
don't really need him to be that all defensive level type switchable forward. You just need him to be passable. As long as he's passable, he's better than Pat Connaughton. If he's better than Pat Connaughton, then I think Milwaukee's going to be fine when they decide to go Giannis at the five. Well, and also he's going to shoot, right? Like one of the big things is that he's going to get in the corner and he's going to give you six or seven threes a game as long as he's getting the minutes. Right, Seth? Uh, That helps. You know, this is is, uh, kind of a bugaboo. I think we've talked about this before is that corner three shooting is that sort of – if you're great defensively, it can keep you on the floor. It's not enough to say you're really contributing anything offensively. Like he's a fine, he's a basically a, an average corner three point shooter who can only shoot from the corners. He shoots like uh, just below 33%, I think, above the break. So yeah, he'll stick the corner shots, but that's, you know, anyone who's getting on the floor can do that. And so I'm going to disagree with Nikias a little bit in that I think they do need him to be, you know, not, not just passable defensively, they need him to be good defensively. For, for that to be a big upgrade to kind of the closing five. I mean, that's the thing. That's that's the most important aspect of it to me for the trade than than, than him hitting the threes is what he's going to be able to do defensively or what he we hope he can do defensively, I guess, is what, how we should say it. Because, you know, I think, guys, I think part of it is they're going to expect him to switch. That's part of why you get P.J. Tucker in this instance is, and, and, and how you, you do those things. It's adding another smart defensive player, you know, to the mix again, part of the closing five. I think there's a whole lot of things they can do with it. I think it changes your ability to play. Hey, we can play big. We can play small now. We can do a whole bunch of uh, other things there. I think it. This is the stuff I've complained about the Bucks. I think Dave's got to be tired of hearing about me complaining about this for the past few years. Of just like they just do one thing, and it just and, and, it, and if it doesn't work, they just hope it works better the next time. And and I think this is the change of what we're seeing in them trying to do different things and i think it just adds that versatility for me it's a bigger issue for them on the defensive end than than i think a big deal for them on the offensive end whatever he gives them on offense gravy well he also plugs very very easily into their offense but i think that you just made a great point mo because your pet peeve has been the lack of flexibility they now have it i mean the defensive lineups that they can put out at least the four guys like you've got four very, very good or solid defenders. Brooke Lopez hasn't been as good this year, but still is pretty good when you've got Giannis and Middleton and now P.J. Tucker and Holiday. I mean, this def- defensively, this team is better, I think, or going to be better at least, than what we've seen up to this point. I mean, you guys agree with it me there? It really depends on if we see 2018 P.J. Tucker or 2020 P.J. Tucker. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's there's all kinds of reasons to to think that what he's shown so far in Houston this year is is sort of, you know, kind of the uh, the Draymond Green Memorial gap year thus far. And now that he's in a, an environment where the games matter more, what, what, like um, that's on one hand. The other hand, he's 36 and was never was never blessed with like explosive quickness. So, you know, we'll see which of those win went out. Um, you know, either way, it's a it's a. Uh, a low cost move for 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 Milwaukee, so it, it, it you know it, it it's not like they've lost much if if he doesn't have you know it, it's going to be hard for him to not be playable. I guess it's just a matter of how much he moves their sort of top end, uh, you know, closing five ability. I mean, well, that's yeah. the big thing, right? It's going to push Giannis to the five in those con- closing lineups, and Nikias like. I mean, Brooke Lopez closing games is hit or miss. 
depends on the matchup. And I watched them against against Philly the other night, and I thought, wow, I can't believe against Philly they're going to close with Brooke when when Philly kept Dwight on the court. I really thought that would be a great opportunity to go to Giannis at the five, but I feel like, I mean, of course they were shorthanded for that game, but I still think even if they weren't, it would have been Brooke at the five. This is, it's almost as if the front office, Nikias, to a certain degree, is forcing the coaching staff's hand and saying, listen, this is the way we need to go. Get us there. Absolutely. Um, I was actually looking this up for a piece that I dropped on Milwaukee. Um, Giannis at the five, I think per 36 minutes, basically averaging 35, nine and six. But that's only come with a 97 minute sample. And that's without Brooke or Bobby Porter's on the floor. So I think being able to go to that more is going to unlock Giannis on both ends of the floor because he is a guy that can switch. He's big enough and long enough to operate in the drop if they still want to do that for whatever reason. And offensively, if you can space it out with a guy like P.J. Tucker in the, on, in the corner instead of Brooke Lopez hoping that he shoots 33 35% above the break, that gives him more space to attack. He's improved as a driver, which is insane to say for a guy like Giannis, who's already the elite of the elite. But I think just having more space, having more optionality on the defensive end, that's going to unlock the best version of the Bucks. And they've been, even with their last two slip-ups in the postseason, like they've been pretty darn close. Maybe that's all they need. Just that improvement on the margin pushes them over the hump. I think that uh, an underrated thing that that PJ gives them is they can say that PJ's playing the five because Giannis has made pretty clear at times that he doesn't really want to spend a lot of time at the five. So, well, you're not playing the five. PJ Tucker's playing small ball five like he did last year. So maybe you you can kind of you, you sell it that way, and maybe that's more acceptable to get to lineups where. Giannis is effectively, you know, the, the the biggest guy and the best rim protector. Yeah, P, uh, Giannis should also just look at what Anthony Davis was saying before, and then when he started playing the five, he has a finals ring. That's just a <laughs> thing Giannis might need to just kind of get over. But to go back to Dave's point about, you know, the front office kind of forcing the coaching staff's hands, it just reminded me of, uh, I'm sure, Seth's favorite movie, Moneyball, uh, where uh, <laughs> the... Uh, you know, the, the the trades that Billy Bean made was to make sure Art Howe played the guys he wanted to play. And that's kind of the, the scenario here, I think, a little bit. But overall, I think we got to also give Bud a little bit of credit in being a little more versatile. It may not come in the the forms we want to see it, but they've switched more this year. They've, they've done more things. They're trying different things. And I think that's part of why they're not as dominant as they are, and it feels dumb saying they're not as dominant. They're second in net rating. I think they're second in point differential, and they're literally a game and a half out of first in the East. So it's just it just doesn't look the same. But I feel like there's some credit there for them in terms of just adjusting and, and changing the way they play a little bit. Well, I mean, I guess to that point, I mean, you, you just made a great case that we're sleeping on the Milwaukee Bucks. And this is a team that for two years has been the best team in the regular season. They were my favorites to go to the finals last year. Are, are we sleeping on them? Nikias, are we overlooking the Bucks completely? Are they a better team than we're giving them credit for? I just want to say they were my favorite to go to the finals two years ago. But that's, you know. Well, I mean, you, you, yeah, well, for yeah. obvious reasons, <laughs> selfishly. <laughs> respect that immensely. Uh yeah, we're we're sleeping on the Bucks. Um, Milwaukee was my preseason pick to come out of the East. Um, once they make the Drew Holiday deal. 
now that I've seen that the hope coming into the year was that they were going to try new things during the regular season. They have done that. They have switched more. They've kind of shifted from five out to more four out one in having a guy in the dunker spot that has both simplified a passing read for Giannis that has also forced Giannis into more self-creation um, situations tougher there with a guy just hanging in the paint. So he has to go to that mid range game more kind of like forcing him to stretch out his game a little bit. So the fact that it's been a little bit clunky on both ends and they're still elite offensively, they're floating around top 10 defensively. They just added PJ Tucker. So they're going to be able to utilize their best player in his best spot more often. They're still my pick to come out of the East right now. Wow. Uh, Mo, are you worried at all about the lack of a, another playmaker? I mean, they obviously are short one, but I mean, they just moved DJ Augustine. They don't even have backup point guard. Really. Yeah. A little bit, but I think maybe that's something you could find in the the buyout market, depending what guards are available or things like that. There's still time to to make another tweak here and there or something. You know, it's not like you need to bring in a massive guy and that's going to be this big. But I also think, you know, Chris Middleton has really raised his game as a playmaker this year. I think them using him in the pick and roll more, you know, as a ball handler, finding Giannis and, and making moves out of there, I think is is a plus and, and, and an advancement of that stuff. So it's a little bit not as concerning, I guess, but it's, it's, it's something you gotta, it'd be nice to have. It's a nice to have in this scenario, but I think with Middleton, with Drew holiday and, and, and with Giannis, I think that between the three of them, they'll be able to have enough playmaking to, to survive. Are you worried? Are, are you, are you worried that we're overlooking them? I mean, it, no, I'm not like, worried because who cares? But in the sense but of like, you like know, I, I, mean. I, I, it's actually funny. I think I wrote in it in in last week's power rankings. You, you know, the 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 hand wringing after every loss is 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 almost comical because it's like you would think they're a team that's below 500 and it's like or, or they're in the situation that the Boston Celtics are in where it's like oh my god this team is completely falling apart and then you look in the standings and they're just right there it's just you know had they lost to Philly it would have people would have been freaking out but it's like yo it, it really wasn't that big of a thing like it's just I think we we're overreacting a bit because it looks different, and I think we talked about it in the pod a few weeks ago. And 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 I have to have I have to admit, literally that night after that, they were getting their butts kicked by Toronto, and I was texting the group, going like, "Ah, crap! Now I might be worried." <laughs> I settled down <laughs> yeah, a bit, yeah. but I think that's we're just we're we're too panic crazed with it when they when they drop a game. Right. We have to be comfortable with the fact of like. Let them lose a game if they're going to try things. Let them lose a game if they're going to say, hey, let's see what Drew Holiday does for us in the clutch. Let's run an offense through him in the clutch. Maybe we win, maybe we lose. It's not going to hurt them. It's them gaining knowledge so that they know what they can go to come playoff time. So I agree with Mo about the about the kind of the single game overreaction. And part of that is, you know, the last two seasons have been very smooth in in Milwaukee. And so there's just, you know, the normal team goes through ups, ups and downs and bumps and bruises. And that just just in the last two regular seasons just hasn't happened. So kind of the uh the 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 fan base is not a cultured to, you know, we lost two games in a row, oh my god. Like the, you know, oh then we fixed it. Um the other part that I do have to say would be a little bit of a worry. And this was a worry last year is I think that their overall record and ratings is a little bit misleading. Because much like last year, they are they've been something of bum hunters this year. Um, if they hadn't won the game on Wednesday against Philly, they would have fallen to 
uh, one and six against teams that are currently on a in an 82 game will be a 50 win play, pace. So the kind of the the home court first round home court type teams, they would have been one and six, which the only team that we kind of consider contenders right now that's had a worse net rating against those other top teams is Miami. And this is a year where because of lineup weirdness, I put less stock in that than I normally would. But it's a worry that they are, you know, dominating the bad teams and struggling against the, against the good teams because who are they playing in the playoffs? Yeah, and, and to, to your point, Seth, a little bit about how smoothly those two seasons have have gone, you know, with with that with no problems or anything. This is actually one of my theories for the NCAA tournament. It's kind of perfect timing now. I never trust the team that's blowing everybody out and going into the tournament. You know, well, I don't know what the records are anymore because I don't watch that much college basketball. But it's like you know, whatever, twenty three and zero going into the tournament. I'm like, man, they have no idea what to do if the game gets tight. And I think that's kind of this year they're they're experiencing that and that adversity. I think is going to help them in the long run. All right, one last question for the group uh, as we kind of wrap up on the Bucks here. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with Nikias. Um Is Giannis in the MVP conversation for you? And I mean, like top five. Yeah, he's top three for me. Yeah, it, it just seems weird how we have completely just moved on. Like even me, somebody who said, you know what? I don't think Giannis, no matter what he does, is gonna win. MVP. He's gonna have to put up ridiculous numbers because he just won the last two. And I fell into the same exact trap for the exact same reason. Because what have we done for the last two years? We've watched the Milwaukee Bucks dominate in the regular season. We've watched Giannis be incredible. And then it's a regular season award, but somehow I let those damn playoffs totally ruin my brain. And I've been ignoring Giannis. But I, I want to officially say, yeah, I'm with you, Nikias. I think I have him at this point right behind Embiid and Jokic. Yeah, it's just kind of a thing where I'm just like, what do people want? Because the last two years is, ah, eh, cool. You're dominating the regular season. Let's see it in the playoffs. And it's a frustration with the lack of flexibility. It's a frustration with Giannis' uses in the half court late in games. And then this year, Giannis is putting up similar dominant numbers. He's been forced into different situations offensively. Um, more inverted pick and rolls being ran for him. He's operating more as a role man. That's generating good looks. That goes back to the point that was made about Milwaukee against bad teams. I mean, against good teams and having a bad record. Like going back, what, two, three weeks ago when they lost to the Nets, they very well could have won that game. DeAndre Jordan was just kind of stashing the paint. Giannis as a screener. They're going Chris Middleton, Giannis pick and rolls, generating great looks literally every trip down and the shots just weren't falling. Like, I don't think that's Milwaukee being some frauds in a close game. That's just the process was sound, the result was not. So I'm less worried about that. The fact that they don't look as dominant, they're trying new things, and they're still, you know, statistically a dominant team, I think that bodes well for them moving forward. And Giannis putting together this kind of season while operating in new roles offensively, more on-ball responsibility defensively, switching more. He's fighting over screens more than I've seen him do. And that's been an experience, but he's still getting those rear view blocks. So he's doing basically everything on a top two, top three team in the East, I don't understand what the argument against him is. I mean, the argument against him is more, it's more about some what some of the other guys are doing. Like if I had a vote right now, my vote would be, you know, accepting what happened in Houston. I think James Harden would, would get my vote right now just for, you know, how 
really in, enjoyable he's been in, in, in leading, you know, Brooklyn team that's been without KD for a lot of time. But it, it, there's also, you know, you can make very credible arguments al- along kind of similar lines for, you know, Nikola Jokic, uh, who, frankly, if, if Denver had, had won a few more games early in the season, would be probably the front runner and Joel Embiid. So it's, it's, it's not just like we're, we're sleeping on Giannis. It's, there's some other players who are, who are having some pretty spectacular seasons too. Yeah. It just goes to the, the, the real problem with the MVP, which is the whole narrative part of the discussion. Like people want to hold Giannis's playoff failures and, and the Bucks playoff failures against Giannis. And they want to hold and, and they want to highlight LeBron's, excellence in the playoffs and 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 say he should win the mvp this year because of that it's it's people lose sight of the fact it is just the regular season award it is what have you done in the 2021 season and i think that goes across the board for all these guys and i'm and i'm with seth there's a bunch of guys you know you're looking at that you could say make the argument. I mean, and and Giannis is up there, and I think he's beginning to get there. But you have to look at what Luca's doing right now. You have to look at what Damian Lillard's been doing this season with a team that's been hampered with injuries. I mean, all of these guys are right in that mix in terms of the MVP. So I just think it's a crazy crowded field right now. So I don't know if it's so much he's getting overlooked. It's just man, there's just a lot, lot of team, a lot of guys in there. So, you know, we could have 15, we could have, not 15, maybe like eight guys for top five. Okay, this is just going to be a deep dive episode. And one of the teams that we've been talking about a lot uh, behind the scenes is the Phoenix Suns. And somehow, I'm just checking the standings, and somehow the Phoenix Suns are in second place in the West. They just snuck up there. They're uh, statistically better than the Lakers record standpoint. Uh, they're two games ahead of the Clippers. And we all thought that they would be good. I, I think on this show, we all predicted they were going to make the playoffs. One of you guys, and I can't remember off the top of my head, said you thought they might be a home court team. I think, yes, yeah, Seth, a home court team in the playoffs. So Seth, I'm going to start with you here. Uh, what is going so right for the Suns? Is it all Chris Paul? Um, it's a lot, Chris Paul, but they also just have a roster that just makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, they're, they're probably their weakest link. And I know Nick, Nikias is going to get to this is probably in the middle, but you think about it, they probably have one of the, one of the, if not the best backcourt in the NBA. And they've paired that with a bunch of really high functioning, uh, capable, versatile kind of three and D wing types. Uh, and that's just in the, in the modern NBA, like that gets you a long, long way. Yeah, I, I, I find them interesting in their the way they're set up. But I think one thing we got to do is we don't give enough credit to James Jones and the job he's done putting this team together. Monty Williams has done a phenomenal job coaching this team, creating a culture. I think those two guys don't get enough love for what they've done over the past couple seasons. Cause you know, Chris Paul has been great and he's made a big change, but this was a change that was coming, you know? And I think we, we kind of saw it with how the team was playing in the bubble when they went eight and oh, and all of those things, you know, people killed James Jones when he drafted Cam Johnson and, and all of those things. I know people are still very upset about him passing on Tyrese Halliburton and, and, and that side of it. And nobody bats a thousand, but you got to give him credit for, for putting together a solid team. I'm glad you mentioned Monty because uh, 
the, the really the, the takeaway from watching them play, if there's one word, is professional. Like okay. they, there's there's been a number of games I've watched where they haven't they've they've played the first half, they haven't really played well, but they've kind of just kept plugging and playing and doing their stuff and and then kind of come, hits midway through the third quarter and then they kind of get themselves untracked and then you look at the end of the game and they won by seventeen, and it's they didn't they didn't panic they didn't get away from what they wanted to do they just kept plugging away kind of with the same expression on their face. And for a team that, again, hasn't really been there yet, and most of the players on the team haven't been there yet, I think that's pretty impressive. It's a young team that plays like adults, right? Like we always talk about getting the more adult basketball players on your team is a good thing. But this team really only got like two new guys. I mean, Chris Paul is going to get a lot of the credit, but Nikias. Is Jay Crowder the most missed basketball player for any one team in the league? I mean, when you look at Miami and you say, crap, they really miss Jay Crowder a lot. And I look at Phoenix and I look at the difference in that team. And yes, again, I'm going to give the majority of the credit to James Jones did a great job bringing those guys in. Monty Williams has completely changed the culture there. And it's obvious. It was obvious right away. And Chris Paul is going going to get tons of credit as he deserves. But Jay Crowder is making a difference there. That is a huge, might be the biggest signing for them. I mean, it, we won't count Chris Paul, but that Jay Crowder signing was massive. It was a pretty big deal. And to your point, Miami has been hunting for a four literally all season long. I've just recently made the deal for Trevor Ariza. I'm not sure when he's going to play yet, but they want to slot him. I would assume they're going to slot him into the four to kind of try to fill that Jay Crowder role. Um, Phoenix in general just has a, I guess, a level of intention, a level of toughness that I really enjoy about them. They play at their own pace, which if you have Chris Paul on your team, you know what that pace is going to be. It's going to be very slow, very deliberate. But I think what impresses me and what has me so high on them is that they've gotten the hard stuff down first. They are tremendous in the half court on both ends of the floor. I think them in Utah, we'll see how the games play out this weekend. But as of right now, Phoenix and Utah are the only two teams per clean the glass that rank in the top five in half court efficiency on both ends of the floor. So they take away the good looks, force you into things that you don't like. And they're just eating on, you know, Devin Book and Chris Paul just eating in the mid-range. You have, if the shot misses, you have DeAndre Ayton underneath cleaned up the offensive glass. You have the spot-up shooting and the relocation, which is more important for a guy like Mikael Bridges or Jay Crowder. So they are hammering the finer details, and they're basically playing playoff-style basketball right now. So once they get there, I'm pretty high on what they can do when that comes. See, no, I, I that's where I'm going to disagree a little bit on that in the sense of, you can be playing playoff style basketball, but playoff style playing that style is one thing. Playing in the playoffs is a whole different experience. Having that level, and that's my concern about this team. You know, is there's a lot of guys in there that are unproven playoff talent that just haven't been there. It's not a question of you know they're young. You know, DeAndre Ayton is a young dude. Like plain and simple. You know, it's 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 a a guy I'm going to have I'm questions about in that in that scenario. Mikhail Bridges has never been in there. The one guy who's not been in the playoffs who I have no concerns about is Devin Booker. That dude's a gamer. I know I I trust he's going to play. 
I worry about Chris Paul. We've seen him kind of fade to come playoff times and, and when the minutes get up higher than he's than he, what he was playing in the regular season and things like that. Wears him down and, and, and so on. So there's there are questions there in that sense. And as good as Jay Crowder has been, he's also streaky. There's also times where you go through and you're just like, damn what you know and it, it, there's there's a whole level of that stuff and those are the things that i'm concerned about i think they're going to be great the rest of this regular season i just have concerns i don't trust them you know in the playoffs yet because a lot of those guys haven't had that experience and when we look at the experience down the roster chris paul ton of playoff experience jay crowder ton of playoff experience dario sarge playoff experience they just got tory craig some playoff experience, not a ton. I wouldn't go nuts about it, but some. Who else after that? So kind of a counterpoint on not t- trusting them. Um, we talked earlier about the, you know, the Bucks loading up on bad teams and struggling against the good teams. The best team so far this year against the other top teams has been the Nets. The second best team in those games has been the Phoenix Suns, which was, I was shocked to see. They, they, they have been basically playing at the same level against the bad teams, the middle teams, and the good teams. Now, maybe you might say, well, that they don't have another level to go to, but they have performed well in in these in these kind of tough matchups in the regular season. And I and again, it's a weird season and you don't want to weigh on that too much, but it's a good sign for them. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. So, this team isn't perfect, right? And, and they've had a really good run. They're not Utah at this point, and, and we've kind of ignored them a little bit. Seth, you made a great point before we started recording. Like, why? how come Phoenix was able to sneak into the two seed at this point of the season, Seth? Because there's only room for one surprise team to talk about. It's like Utah is taking his uh, – Utah is standing on that corner and Phoenix is just kind of like, Hey, we're here too. And no one's really noticed. Yeah. But, but that's the thing East is, coast bias, man, that's Midwest East coast bias. <laughs> I hear about Phoenix all the time. It's because the weather's good, but, but it does, they do have issues, right? I, I, do you trust campaign in the playoffs? You know, I I'm, I'm with Mo on that. Um, but I think Deandre Ayton is the, the number one question mark we have, Right. Young center has improved a lot defensively, but Nikias, do you trust him once it comes playoff time? And he's going to have to, I mean, he's going to have to what guard Anthony Davis. If they play the Lakers, like, is he going to be able to do the stuff he needs to do against the Clippers? How does it work against Utah? I mean, it's a big time spot for him in particular. Yeah, I think that's where some of my concern comes in. Um, I think 
it is good that Phoenix has gotten the kind of production on both ends of the floor that they've gotten from Dario Sarge. It is concerning that they have needed that kind of production on both ends from Dario Sarge. Um, if you get DeAndre Ayton on the block, has to defend, you know, has to defend and Anthony Davis or just has to contend with Rudy Gobert as a role threat, yeah, he can do that. If you run him through a second action or if you run some screen-to-screener type stuff, then he's navigating two things at once. That's where it gets tough for him. And I think against the high-level playoff offense, that's where it becomes concerning because I do think he can be targeted just because he isn't the quickest processor in space, even though he has the movement skills and has the size to kind of operate in that realm. And if your center is a weak point, at any stretch in your defense, then things can fall apart pretty quickly. Like we can talk about Chris Paul at the point of attack. We can talk about Mikael Bridges, who I think he's deserving of an all defensive team spot, but ultimately in the playoffs, teams can isolate matchups in a way that they just don't hunt out with frequency in the regular season. And Aiden can be a weak point in the right matchup. And the, the flip side of that is because he is much more comfortable kind of facing up and, and shooting jumpers, than, than getting inside, a team can can presumably go a little smaller against them, and he won't be able to to exploit that. I mean, I think one of my big criticisms of him throughout his career has been he doesn't, you know, for a guy of his size and physical talent, doesn't get to the free throw line at all. And, you know, in the playoffs, just that, you know, get under the rim. If they're going to have a, put a, you know, a small forward on you, well, put them in the basket with the ball or, you know, get, get yourself to the free throw line. And we haven't really seen that from him yet. I hate to say this. And in particular, because Nikias is here and I know it's going to like hurt his feelings, but like if there's one guy that we might need Shaq to just pick on a little bit about being physical, I think it is DeAndre Aiden because clearly like, he is strong as hell, and you can see it. It's obvious, and he runs like a gazelle. Like he, I mean, he is just truly gifted as an athlete. I would like to see him treat these guys that are smaller than him the way he did when he got the ball in college in the post. And even his rookie year, I thought he did a better job of initiating that early contact and actually creating the space he needed to get a bucket. He's got great touch. I still think DeAndre Ayton is going to wind up being a really, really, really good player I don't know. I think he's got like Hall of Fame potential because of the skill that he has. There's a lot to get to before before you're at that point. But I don't think that he's a guy that you can't play at any point. He's going to get played off the court probably because he's not, you know, he's not Anthony Davis. But I do think he's a guy that you should be able to go into any series with and say, physically, he at least has a shot to stay on the court, Mo. I mean, do you agree with me there? Like he should be able to do most of what they need. Yeah, but he's also a third-year big, and it takes a long time. He's, what, 20, 21? I mean, is he is he even legally allowed to drink? Like, we're, 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 we're pushing this thing, and, and, and I know it's it's we're pushing this because the Suns need that, and they need him to hit that mark earlier in, in, in the timeline of what this team has a chance to succeed. But And, and I think he'll just be fine. I think he'll be fine in the, in the playoffs in that sense. But I want to go back to something Seth said, because while he said it, I went and looked it up. And I'm shocked by this. I don't know if you guys noticed this. Phoenix is dead last in free throw attempts at 18.3 a game. That's a glaring problem to me. When you have a guy like Chris Paul and Devin Booker and those guys, they should, they should get to the line 
you know, just 11, 12 times between the two of them on their own and everybody else should be able to chime in. That's a, that's a big issue. Now, you know, I think these are things that are going to start to slowly creep up against them come playoff time. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever. And that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals, and show you hidden allies so that you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash show 23 That's linkedin.com slash show 23 for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash show 23 and get started. Well, uh, so let's go, just to get back to the Aiton thing real quick. Nikias, I mean... Is Sarich the answer? If if Aiton's getting played off the court, are you going Sarich or are you trusting Frank the Tank? <laughs> uh, I would definitely <laughs> trust Sarich more than Frank the Tank. But I do think that could also be an issue in the playoffs. I think Sarich would do a better job of navigating those multiple actions more so than Aiton would. But then offensively, you know, Mo just made the point about Phoenix not getting to the free throw line. If you have Sarich in there, where is the vertical threat at all? Where is the downhill threat? Like Chris Paul wants to get in pick and roll snake to the elbow and pull up. Devin Brooke wants to get to the elbow and pull up. Um, if you can get, if you can bend the defense, Mikhail Bridges can cut, but he's not drawing free throws on that. Where is the rim pressure coming from? So I do think that could be a little bit of an issue. Is, is this a sneaky Drummond buyout candidate, like landing spot? Like, could he could he be the backup center that they really need here? I mean, that's almost as much a question for him, right? Like, could could he be a backup uh-huh. center? And that's <laughs> that's the first question you have to answer. Yeah, that literally just popped that, in my head as we're sitting here talking about it. It's interesting, but to me, I almost feel like hearing what Nakaya said is like they need a rim attacker, not necessarily in a big man form, but they need a penetrator in terms of the, the guard or the wing. If, if, if Devin Booker is sitting in and pulling in for the selling for a lot more mid rangers, they need guys that can get to the rim. Cause that's how you get to the line, right? Is attacking the basket, especially as wings and, and, and guards and things like that. That's, that's almost a bigger concern to me than, than them looking for the, the backup big. Cause I, Dario Sarch, I think, is going to be just fine, even in the backup scenario. It's not going to help him get to the free throw line, but I think he does enough with the playmaking and the things. You can put the ball and him in the post, and he'll make a pass out of the post and things like that. He's crafty. He's got that really kind of tough old man game a little bit in the in the post with some of the moves he can make. So for me, I just think the, the thing they need to look for is a guy that's going to penetrate and get into the lane. And just on the drumming point, I'll be quick. I think – 
if you're looking for things to add a rim threat, I think Drummond is more of a threat to the rim than an actual <laughs> rim threat. So I don't know if that's the answer for him. <laughs> there you go. Well I mean, listen, man. one more thing. Now, guys, we don't do anything quick here. Yeah, oh, yeah. You got all, more to say. It's a podcast. There's <laughs> I no drive time Dave nuts with, yeah. I drive Dave nuts. <laughs> he really does. But, but the thing is, like, Andre Drummond is just everyone's trade target or buyout target because there just aren't a ton of them, right? Like, this is just a year I think it's going to be hard for teams to really improve much if they do any other year. Okay. That's debatable. But I think this year in particular, because there are so many teams that are still in it. The the deadline is a week away as we record this. And and we'll obviously be recording next week, right after the deadline. But you know, Mo, we were texting a little bit. We, this might be a quiet deadline because (laughs) there's so many teams in it. Well, I, th- I think this is kind of the product of the the playing game, right? Everybody feels like they got a shot, right? Can I can I sneak into the playing tournament? You know, it's it, it, I think that's some of it. So you don't have as many teams that are willing to sell off. Uh, uh, you know, just just kind of look to be like, all right, let's let's start making some moves and get and, and, and start to tank. I think give them credit because I was I was definitely against the playing tournament, you know, and everybody wants to yell at me about it. Uh, give them credit; it's working to the fact that like teams aren't tanking as much. If there's fewer transactions, does this mean we're going to have to talk about basketball? God forbid! <laughs> yeah. God forbid, Seth. Okay, Uh, you guys know how we do this at the end of the show. Uh, Next week's the trade deadline, so there's plenty to think about. And, Nakias, I'm going to start with you because, you know, we like to put our guests on the spot. What are you looking at for the next week? Just in terms of the deadline? No, just uh, basketball. What are you looking at basketball-wise? I mean, are you going to binge watch? I mean, I'm going to watch the Snyder Cut (laughs) here in a little bit. Oh, good. I I got about 45 minutes in, and – all I could think of was, wow, I wish he would have made that new Wonder Woman movie. It's yeah, pretty fun. Right, that's um, Dave's week. Go ahead. Right, that's Dave's week. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, watching more basketball. I, I want a good team to take Kenrich Williams out of OKC. Um, off the court, just interested in seeing what happens with Snowfall. Like, the series is really picking up. New seasons is fantastic. <laughs> uh, I don't know if Leon's going to make it. So that's that's really it for me. <laughs> Mo, what about you? Well, I got to catch up on Snowfall, so I'm really glad uh, Nakias didn't spoil anything for me here. Uh, I'm really actually going to watch the battle in the East between 4 through 11. It is incredibly bunched up by like four and a half games. And honestly, you can just have a bad week and all of a sudden be like, oh, man, I was in fourth and now I'm in 11th. Uh, it's it's That's something I'm going to be looking more for the next week. Uh, basketball wise i'm actually gonna gonna be watching the suns a lot uh just to kind of follow up on this conversation um uh sort of planning to write about them in the near future and then the big thing i'm looking for is i'm getting a shot tomorrow so that's yeah that's 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 the best news that's what we need need more of those vaccines if you if you got the vaccine by the way hit us on twitter let us know um i'm i'm gonna be watching the rockets because i think the rockets can take this thing all the way to 27 games I think they can they can pull this off. They can make it so we don't talk about missing 27 threes. We can talk about them losing 27 games in a row. What a, a just brain genius move that is to, to purposely go on a huge losing streak so we all stop talking about the threes. Now, this team, it, it sucks because they were playing really, really well for a while there, and Christian Wood gets hurt, and all of a sudden the wheels have fallen off. And I mean, we know the story there. It, it's It's rough. But Steven Silas is doing some really interesting stuff. Christian Wood, I mean, you guys all saw him kind of put Draymond on skates the other night. 
that team is interesting. And I don't think they're going to be bad very long. So I'm, I really am just going to kind of uh, watch them lose a bunch more and not take joy out of it, but uh, maybe a little bit. I don't know. It's interesting. It's awkward. It's like watching a train wreck. You, uh, you really should apologize to Kelly Eco covering the the Rockets for us. Oh my over God! At the no Athletic. way! He's gotta Kelly's watch got the most gotta interesting watch. job in basketball. He's got to right watch now. this. This is no, it's not interesting. It's not interesting basketball to watch. I would you argue he doesn't have to watch not. the basketball. I mean, now at Kelly, I know Kelly, and Kelly's a hardworking guy. He's definitely watching these games, probably at least once, probably more than once. But he wouldn't have to watch it. That's the thing. It's actually should be less work. The story here is. How low can you go, right? Like, are could they could they be wow. in the mix for okay. Kate Cunningham? They 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 are in I the mean, mix it, for like could they be? They are. This is what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> this is no no. I mean, this is a team that's going to have a top four pick. That's a big deal. They're about to get a franchise cornerstone player potentially. That's huge. So yeah, I'm paying attention to the Rockets as they continue to lose games. Uh, Nikias, thanks for coming and hanging out, man. This was long overdue. We, we will do it again. I promise we will do it again before the show is canceled. <laughs> I'm holding you to it. Thanks for having me. I had a ball. All right. Yeah, yeah. No, this is awesome. Uh, for Seth and for Mo, I'm Dave. You guys take it easy. <laughs> <laughs>